Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, and computer science academics. We highlight people with a passion for educating our youth in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPAI Radio Show serves the BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology. Well, welcome to the BDPAI Radio Show. I'm your host, Fran McNeil, and our producer is Everaldo Gallimore. BDPAI Radio is sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation and the BETF Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Our technical advisor is John Melanson, and BDPAI Radio broadcasts the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Well, tonight we've got an exciting show lineup, and tonight is September 23rd, 2014. Our first guest is Bill Houston, co-founder of My Crowd Rocks. Our second guest is Teresa Williams, Vice President of BDPA South Region. And our third guest is Stan Washington, President of Honor Services Office. So we'll start right in with our first guest, and I'd like to welcome Mr. Bill Houston. Bill, how are you this evening? I am great. Um, thanks for inviting me on, and I'm glad to be here. Well, I am so glad that you're here, and our listeners are really in for a treat. As I mentioned, you're a co-founder of My Crowd Rocks, and I wanted to just take a few moments to read a little bit of your profile. As co-founder and chief marketing officer for My Crowd Rocks, your organization provides crowdfunding consulting and management, and you're located in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, many of our members may understand what crowdfunding is, and in the course of our interview, I'm sure that you'll give them a little bit more information. One of the things that many of the listeners are particularly interested in is what does it take to make a successful crowdfunding campaign? And so we're really excited to have you on the show tonight, Bill. Um, I usually ask every guest of the show, how did you first learn about BDPA? And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you that as well. So would you share your BDPA intro story? Sure, I'd be glad to share that with you. Um, My first introduction to BDPA came a few years ago uh, with Greg Greenling from Blacks and Technology and uh, Jim Newsom from Urban Tech Fair. Uh, We were trying to create an urban tech fair in uh, the Cincinnati and Louisville regions, and we were going to work with Wayne Hicks, and that was my first introduction to BDPA uh, as an organization. So you're mentioning um, really leaders in different communities, uh, different areas of the technology community. So in getting involved with BDPA, um, what were some of your roles within the organization? How did, how, how did BDPA make a difference for you as a technologist and as a professional in the business world? 
basically uh, the, the introduction to, uh, to to Wayne Hicks and, and the program, we, we worked in a collaborative method to develop a, an urban tech fair community uh, based in Louisville and Cincinnati. That, that was how uh, we were able to work with uh, Mr. Hicks and BDPA to, uh, to generate a, a larger urban tech fair throughout the country, and then we had this one that was focused on this region uh, here in Louisville and Cincinnati. Okay. So in being part of a tech fair, part of what is exciting about that opportunity is there are a number of individuals with different perspectives around technology. Now, currently, you are the co-founder and chief marketing officer for My Crowd Rocks, and you're based in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, what, what was the impetus? What was the driver? What was the spark um, that helped you start My Crowd Rocks? Uh, this is a very interesting story. Uh, there's an organization here, a governmental organization called Community Action Partnership, and it's CAP is what they call it. It's a micro-enterprise development agency uh, funded by a Louisville Metro government. And uh, my son and I had a company called H2 Communications, and we shot about 11 videos for something called Kickstarter. We were, I was very unfamiliar with Kickstarter. We shot these videos, and I had heard that if you have a really cool video, you can put it up and make a ton of money. So we shot these videos in collaboration with CAP. We put them up, and none of them made any money. So I began to study to try to understand why it was that we didn't make any money. And the deeper that I got into the crowdfunding field and industry and understanding what crowdfunding was all about, um, I kind of broke off from the video portion and started to focus on building crowds for people for crowdfunding. The thing that I found that was the hardest part of crowdfunding is being able to tap that social capital and bring your networks from the inside out, bring those to the table to get you funded. So what we do at My Crowd Rocks is we focus on building those crowds through social media, through email marketing, or in, in actually any kind of integrated digital marketing uh, is, is what we do at My Crowd Rocks. So that's how we came to do that was through some failures early on uh, in crowdfunding. Okay. So for listeners that may not really understand what crowdfunding is, why would someone um, be involved in a crowdfunding campaign? Or another way of asking that is, when might they receive a request for crowdfunding? Crowdfunding, at its very basis, it is about being able to leverage your social capital. And you start that social capital from the inside out. So when we talk about crowdfunding, the first thing that we, have, that we mention is tapping the inner circle. The inner circle is your personal network, people who will support you simply because of who you are and the relationship they have with you, family, friends, coworkers, people in your social networks, people in your email list, those are the first people that, that you begin to tap. And those would be the people who you would reach out to initially. And then what you would do is you would reach out 
to the next tier, not not your network, but your network's network, and you would begin to reach out to those people and tell them how important it is, your project is, and what it is that you're doing. And then finally, you would move out into the digital space where you're out there in the social media world and you're posting and, you, and you're beginning to build social relationships with people, get them interested in what it is that you're doing, your project or your business, and try to drive that traffic you know, to your website initially uh, during the period, the three to six month period that we call the pre-launch. After that, you would want to drive them to the actual campaign page uh, so that they could donate and continue to share and share and share. In social media and crowdfunding, both the most important button that you have on there is not the like button, but it's actually the share button. That's how you grow your reach. And your reach can become global uh, if done correctly, if, put, if you allow enough time to build social relationships. And it's all about leveraging that social capital. Okay, social capital. So that's a that's a word that's a phrase that you're introducing and again like crowdfunding people may not have been aware of. Um, now you you talked about sharing is really more important than liking. What if someone doesn't have a website? Can they still participate in crowdfunding? Sure, they can absolutely participate in crowdfunding. Uh, what we talk about is, is developing brand advocates, people who are going to spread your message far and wide. From the highest mountaintop, they're going to shout because they believe in you, they believe in your project, and they believe in what you're doing. And the way that you develop these brand advocates is through your interaction with people, social interaction with people through transparency, and you develop a trust relationship with those people. So. You can you can talk to people face to face, uh, you know. In in the real world, you can talk to people in the virtual world. Any time that you come in contact with someone, then you share and you talk about this campaign, you talk about the product, you talk about the service, you talk about the founder, and you just continue you continue to communicate that to anyone in any space, whether it be virtual or in person uh, or you know on the radio. It doesn't matter, but you just continue to tell people about this, and you ask them to share the same message with everyone they come in contact with. And that's the social capital. When, we, when I speak of social capital, what I'm actually talking about are the relationships, the trust-based relationships built on transparency with other people. Uh, social media obviously has the ability to stretch that reach globally, uh, but it's just as important to talk to your, your brother, your friend, your coworker, it doesn't matter. Whoever it is, you build that social capital and you ask them to spread that to their networks and that's how you grow the social capital necessary to get your crowdfunding. So Bill then based on that, you know, just and I'm sure that you do a number of presentations on this regularly um, what would be the three most important factors in crowdfunding? And you may have touched on them, but just if someone's taking notes, what would be the three most important factors? The, most, the three most important factors, number one would be tapping that inner circle, your immediate social network, whether it be online or in person, that is number one. Crowdfunding campaigns that are able to raise 
30% of their goal in the first week, uh, preferably the first day, but in the first week, increase their probability of success to 90%. So that is vital. Tapping your inner circle is vital. And having those, the relationships with those people and letting them know how important they are to getting that first 30% raised early on in the campaign, at least by the first week, that would be the most important aspect of, social, of crowdfunding. The next is, is going into your social media and going in early in what we call the pre-launch, which would be a phase between three to six months prior to the actual launch of your campaign when you are out there in the social media world and you are talking not only about your campaign, but you're talking about whatever field it is that you're in. There's a, what they call like an 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time you want to share just general content about your field, 20% of the time you want to share content about your actual campaign and what it is that you're doing, your company, your project. And, and always remember that social media is not about selling. It's about being social. It's about building relationships. It's about trust, and it's about transparency. That would be number two. And number three would be just spreading that message, creating brand advocates, telling everyone that you see everyone that, that will listen to you about this project and how this project is going to impact the world, not how it's going to impact me, but how it's going to impact the world or a particular community and its importance in, in changing the way people live, changing the way people do whatever it is that they do, whatever impact that product is going to have, talking about those benefits, those, those would be the three most important factors in crowdfunding. Wow, that's that's uh, that's very very helpful. Now we're on a technology show, and we're part of an organization that is about technology. Um, why should technology professionals, even if they don't plan on starting a business or don't necessarily have a project that needs funding, why should technology professionals pay attention to crowdfunding? Uh, great question, and a couple couple things behind that. The first thing is, as I talked about, being in someone's inner circle, being able to spread that message, share that message, being able to actually donate to someone's project if it's a reward-based crowdfund. Um, those would be the two most important aspects of it from from the from the aspect of being someone who is who is just a, a listener and, and not actively a part of this. If you are actively a part of crowdfunding, there are what I call hidden benefits to crowdfunding. Obviously, everybody thinks about the money, and, you know, it's, it's very important. You know, access to capital is very important for beginning a business. But if you, if you kind of step back and you distill crowdfunding and you look at it, you are able to do market research at a very low price. You are able to get market validation proof of concept, uh, you're able to build a community of customers immediately at very little cost to you. You're able to build these brand advocates to spread the word about whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, you, can, you can participate in product development uh, almost like a focus group via social media. You can provide testimonials and case studies. Uh, you can, if, if you like the product, you can pre-order that product or service or whatever it is. Uh, 
Uh, and also, you have to look at the amount of public relations that's going to be generated uh, through this crowdfunding. So one of the things that, that's really important about crowdfunding is you can have an idea and you can introduce that idea, and it doesn't matter whether you need the funding or not, but you can get those other benefits from crowdfunding. Okay, that, that totally makes sense. So as we begin to wrap up the interview, there's really two questions that I'd like to ask. One is, for 2015, where might business, technology, and social media intersect? Because the world of technology, business, and social media keep, keep moving. So where might they intersect as you look at 2015? As I look at 2015, I believe that the social media-driven business model it is here and it exists now and it's only going to grow and become more ubiquitous. Social media is going to completely change the way business operates. And obviously social media and any innovations in social media are driven by technology. Uh, I think that 2015, 2014, 2013, it's already here where social media and technology are driving business models today. Without social media, a company is not going to be able to survive uh, moving forward. So I, I think that social media is vital to any business and any business model uh, from this point forward, especially in 2015, and the technology that innovates the social media and businesses is, is what really is going to drive efficiency and effectiveness into 2015 and beyond. Wow. Bill, you know, this has been a very exciting interview. I, I really appreciate your energy. And in the remaining minute, um, I'd love for you just to share one final thought for our BDPA iRadio listeners. My, my final thought um, about tonight, and again, thank you for allowing me to be on the show. My final thought is, that one of the largest issues faced in the black community for business is access to capital. Today, crowdfunding provides a mechanism to access capital. There are at least 21 professional black organizations that exist on a national level. Today, if we are able to tap that social capital, should begin to build businesses, to build employment, and to grow wealth in the community. Thank you very much for allowing me to be on the show. Bill, thank you so much for taking some time out of your evening and sharing your wisdom, sharing your experience, sharing your energy. Uh, have a great evening, and I look forward to having you as a guest on future shows. Thank you again, Bill. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, uh, folks, if you're just joining us, our first guest was Bill Houston, co-founder of My Crowd Rocks. And if you'd like more information on My Crowd Rocks, you can literally go to www.mycrowdrocks.com. Now, BDPA iRadio typically features three interviews over the one-hour period. Our next interview 
will be with Teresa Williams. Teresa has been a guest on our show before, and many of you know her as a longtime BDPA supporter and leader. Tonight she is on the show in her role as Vice President of BDPA South Region. Teresa, welcome back to our show. How are you this evening? Good evening, Fran. I'm doing great. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Thanks again for being on the show. Now, you have been the South Region's Vice President since 2012. Um, as I mentioned, you've been a longtime supporter of BDPA. You have over 20 years in information technology, and your professional experience includes the implementation and management of business software solutions. Um, now, Teresa, you've worked in a variety of industries in a variety of roles, and you were with BDPA as the Atlanta Chapter President in 2008 and 2009. Now, I, you know, and we talked about this a little bit earlier on the show, that I often ask, how did you first learn about BDPA? Um, and I'm wondering, since you did share that, kind of the response to that question um, on a previous show, maybe I'll switch the question up a little bit and, and ask you, because you've been involved with BDPA in different roles, what keeps you still involved with this very dynamic organization? I joined um, BDPA around 2005 um, as a result of a recruitment effort at, my, at the company I was working for at the time, which was Delta Technology, and um, Alonzo Howe, who is an ITSMS member, um, basically felt it was very important that the African-American population within Delta take advantage of, of BDPA and all it has to offer for networking and supporting the youth in the community. And at that time, our CEO of Delta uh, had went, attended um, one of the conferences in Dallas, a BDPA conference, and he was just blown away by the HSSC students and the awards and their knowledge. And uh, he became a really avid supporter. So he sponsored our membership. And so that really kind of got me in the door. I didn't get as engaged immediately, but it, it wasn't until I became an active member on the board that I began to really put forth um, a commitment toward BDPA. But really hooked me was the first conference I attended, which was in Detroit. I believe Wayne was national president at the time, or he was just coming out of office at that time. But um, it was one of the most outstanding uh, national conferences that I had attended up to that time uh, for any type of association. And uh, when I watched the young people get excited and the awards they, they received and the recognition and the positive influence that the adults had on their life, I became an avid BDPA supporter. And um, I vowed that um, this is something that was needed in our community. Um, I needed it as much as the young people needed it. And I think adult professionals, as we go about our day and day-to-day um, -day jobs, sometimes we lose sight to look back 
until it's in your face. And so um, it really motivates me on a day-to-day basis to set a good image for those young people coming into the workforce, as well as preparing those to at least go to college. Wow, that's a wonderful, wonderful story. And even as you opened up the story, um, you identified individuals that made a difference to you. Um, And so you're now, you're continuing your leadership in the role of being VP of BDPA South Region. Um, now, the, the regional concept has been in existence for a few years now, but if you share with the audience, uh, what, is, what does the regional structure mean uh, to you, and, and what is your vision for the BDPA South Region? What is the regional structure team? Is that yes. the first part of the question? Yes, what what is the who's on your team and and what does the the structure mean uh for right. you as Well, we're currently now the national uh structure now regionalization brought forth um basically we have a regional vice president that's me in my role and there's a regional director and I'm supported and happily supported by Felicia Jones who is an Atlanta chapter member. And it just so happens we're both from Atlanta. And it's just us two in that regional row, and each region has a regional vice president and a regional director. And our goal is to support the chapters in our region, support the chapters by making sure that we communicate the national objectives and strategy, making sure that they stay connected with the national brand as well as the goals, and support them by helping them grow their chapters in whatever way we can. So... um, our goal, all of our goal, is to grow BDPI and to support the membership in BDPI. And currently, the South Region, we currently have 12 active chapters in the South, and we have another five that are moving from inactive to active. So we have a total of 16 chapters that we support in this South Region, ranging from west, as, high, as high, far north as West Virginia down to as far south as Texas, and anywhere in between from Kentucky to South Carolina and Florida. So we currently have, well, I was doing a count before the call, um, 14 states that we support. I'm very, very happy and pleased to say that the South region, uh, our membership is now has grown considerably this year. And we now hit over 550 members, active members in the South. But I don't want to stop there. One of our, one of my personal goals for the region, South region, is to take our membership to a thousand. Would love to be able to say we did that by the end of 2015, and we can if we really put forth the effort and give our chapters some of the tools that they need. So that's what we're working toward. And then, and also, we have a goal of hosting a regional conference next year in the South. Well, so that I, I really like, Teresa, how you gave us some metrics, um, the 12 chapters, the chapters that you're moving, and I thought that was a very strategic way of putting it, the chapters that you're moving from inactive to active, um, and you're covering 14 states, 
you currently have 550 members and your goal is 1,000. So it's, um, you're, you're projecting almost doubling in growth um, over the next you know, 18 months or so. Uh, exactly. How will, you do that? how will you do that? Those are very ambitious, and yet I think given the energy level and the leadership and the track record, um, also doable goals. How, how will you do that? How will you make that happen? It's all about engagement. If you get the, and the right leadership, if you get the right leaders in place at the chapter level, the, the membership just blooms. People want to be involved in a volunteer organization that provides them with networking opportunities with other IT professionals. There are a lot of people out there that want to get back to the community. There are groups of people that love to work with the young people. So BDPA offers something for every every person that joins, especially the IT professional. You have some IT professionals that are trying to develop their own skills to maybe go into a different career field, either from non-IT to IT or IT to another area in, in technology. And BDPA offers you that opportunity. Now, some chapters are not as healthy as other chapters and cannot provide, can, cannot be an everything for everyone, and that's, that's okay. We tell those folks that actually join those chapters, if you have a need and it's not being met at the chapter level, then you step up and help provide that need because it's a volunteer organization. And we could use all talents and resources and time of people that, of our members who join. But it's doable. It's all about having a passion. Um, members, I, I, when I was chapter president, we started our chapter and our membership numbers were really dwindling. And I set a goal to get us to the century type level, which is 100 members. It took two years, but we got there. Because that's if you display a positive, can-do attitude, you have some innovative programs every month, and you communicate with members and non-members, they will come. It's all about building relationships. Okay. So communication, attitudes, and programming. Yes. Um, so, so on that note, because you're, you're almost revealing the playbook, and, of course, in, in your role as the VP on the regional level, um, you have the experience of being in a, a chapter president. What are some of the success stories that you've seen um, from the regional perspective that you'd like to, to share? Maybe, maybe it's even bragging about um, <laughs> from, from, those 14, from the uh, 14 states. I have some current success stories that I just was waiting for you to ask me about. So thank you. I'm very happy, you know, to announce and, and kind of pat my chest. I didn't have anything to do with it, but I feel like I did. Um, there were three chapters in the South region that were recognized at the 2014 National Conference in Indianapolis. And one of them is Greater Birmingham. Uh, they received the Outstanding Developing Chapter Award. I'm very, very happy for the, her and the chapter because they worked hard to move their chapter from inactive to active. Very deserving of that Outstanding Developing Chapter Award. And LaDonna Crum is the chapter president. The second piece of good news is Greater Columbia, which is who is, uh, that chapter is led by Mildred Allen. 
They, their team, their high school computer competition team won second place, which was, uh, oh, that was a really good um, win for that team. They've been working hard, and there's some great young people. And last but not least, the Atlanta chapter, led by Derek Brown, they won the Membership Award and Community Service Chapter Award, as well as the high school computer competition team placed fourth place in the competition. And the covenant honor was that they were named the 2014 Chapter of the Year. So um, those were quite prestigious uh, awards and recognition for those three chapters in the South. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's really interesting, the diversity of the awards and recognition. Um, and I, I loved how you identified the leadership, and every leader has a really great team. So sort of on that note, as when you look back at your role as chapter president and you look at the roles of the presidents of these um, three chapters, what are some of the qualities that a BDPA chapter president has to have or shares in order to um, attract members, retain members, attract volunteers, attract sponsors, get engagement? What, What sort of makes it all happen? Well, you know, it's easy to say, well, they've got to be a leader because, but that's, um, pe- most people use that. And the biggest question, you know, most people ask, well, what is a leader? Everyone has some type of leadership um, talents or skills. But I, the one thing I look at when I look at these three chapters, as well as some of the other chapters in the South region that are doing some great things, is their chapter presidents are engaged, they're committed to that chapter, and they're committed to the membership and growing the membership, not maybe in numbers only, but also in, in offering what each one of their membership um, dynamics need, because every chapter in different cities have a different need. And they sit down and they, they build a great leadership team, and it doesn't have to be huge, but they work with their leadership team. They have planning meetings at the end of the year to plan for the next year. I see that consistently. And they put a lot of time into making sure that they touch and base with their chapter leadership and their members. And it, it shows at the end of the at the end of the game it shows they go out, they talk to sponsors, um, they work with the students, they put the time in as part of their commitment. People don't mind working with you if they see that you're working just as hard as they are. Mm, and in the yeah. end, they build skills that they may, they either enhance some leadership skills that they already had or they build skills that they didn't have. So what's powerful is you've been using the word leadership a lot. And BDPA is a technology organization. So what advice do you have for technology professionals as we kind of enter the fourth quarter and really get ready, uh, fourth quarter of 2014, and get ready for 2015? And the one thing I will tell anyone is to join BDPA. 
because it's it's not just about um, technology. It's about networking. It's about relationships. Um, it's about enhancing your total package that you have, portfolio of offerings that you have to offer as a technology professional. Technologists today are not just sitting behind a the computer. They have to deal with customers. They have to deal with internal and external customers. They've got to do a lot of the same type of, of they need same, same type of leadership skills that a leader of a, of, of a company will need. Some of our, te- our members are business owners. You definitely have to be able to be well-rounded. You have to learn how to communicate. And you learn these skills in organizations such as, as BDPA where you actually put forth volunteer hours and you work on projects or you're planning an event or you have to deal with people that maybe don't think like you do or you may have to have some conflict resolution skills that you have to develop. And um, planning, oh, my goodness. If you're a leader of this organization and you don't know how to plan well, you're going you're gonna to struggle because you have to be able to plan meetings. You have to be able to, to negotiate. So all of the skills that you need to be a better person, not only a technologist, are right here. They can be learned or enhanced by joining BDPA. It's the best $100 that anyone can in, invest in themselves. I, I was going to say, Teresa, I'm, I'm going to have to, to have you do a, um, a online advertisement for BDPA. Uh, that, that, was a, that was a wonderful, really wonderful wrap up. Um, and I know that we're we're actually coming to the conclusion of um, your interview. So I'm going to ask the my traditional last question, which is, in the remaining minute, I mean, you really you've really just touched on. Some wonderful concepts here, and I love the enthusiasm um, that you've shared and the ways that you've reached out and acknowledged um, the leadership teams and chapters within the South region. So in the remaining minute, what's a final thought that you'd like to leave our iRadio show listeners with as uh, you wrap up your interview for this evening? Uh, you know, I... I I could basically say something similar to what I said, but I would like to be able to at least share with the audience some upcoming events that are going on within the South region and be very quick. Um, This Thursday, the Atlanta chapter is hosting their third annual uh, Atlanta Minority IT Executive Forum, and we will have our founder of BDPA, Earl Pace, will be the keynote speaker, and we will have a panel of Diverse leaders from Miller Coors, McDonald's Corporation, Macy's Systems and Technology, and Pyramid Consulting, as well as Charter Global as a panel. And Mike Williams, who is a senior VP of FIS, is also going to be speaking on the topic of you don't need a title to be a leader. That's this Thursday in Atlanta at the Crown Ravinia and Perimeter area. So if anyone's in the area, please come out, join us. Be a great networking opportunity for yourself. And then in next month, October 9th, our Charlotte chapter will be hosting their very first technology diversity talent showcase. And this is sponsored by Wells Fargo and the BDPA Charlotte chapter. Wells Fargo is looking for, has over 700 technology open positions, and they want to hire you, the BDPA member. So if you're not even in the Charlotte area, contact me. 
I'll make sure you get the information. Please join us on Thursday, October 9th. And thank you, Fran, for having me on this evening. Oh, thank you, Teresa, so much for joining us again. Um, It's really nice to have guests return, and it's wonderful to hear about the success and the progress, your vision within the South region. And thank you so much for letting our audience know about the upcoming event um, this Thursday and then the event upcoming in Charlotte in October. So thank you again for being a guest and look forward to having you on on a future show. You're welcome. Thank you. So up next, our third and final guest for this evening is Stan Washington, President of Honor Services Office. Um, Stan is a retired McDonald's Corporation executive who's turned and, and become a small business owner. As president and founder of Honor Services Incorporated, he offers small business owners a technology solution that makes managing day-to-day tasks easier. And he provides technology and personalized business development training. So, Stan, welcome to BDPAI Radio. Uh, It's very exciting to have you on this evening, and thank you for uh, being our third guest this evening. How are you? Doing very well, Fran. Thank you for having me on as a guest. It is is certainly my pleasure. Now, Stan, um, I am going to ask you, how did you first find out about BDPA? I know you're based in Naperville, um, and uh, so I just wondered, what was your first uh, experience with BDPA? Well, Fran, um, I actually heard of BDPA twice. Once, when I worked in corporate America, um, I, I was uh, working, and people told me about BDPA, but I... Uh, you aren't going to like this answer. I, I blew it off. Um, I made the mistake of, of not valuing an external network, so all of my contacts were internal to corporate. And I thought that that would help my career. But Milt Haynes and Wayne Hicks reached out to me a number of times, and I, I joined, but I didn't participate. That was, that was a mistake. When I left corporate, to pursue my own business, Wayne actually reached out to me again, and and um, and he reminded me of the value of a network, and so I actually appreciate his tenacity. I think Milt uh, did as well, and um, now my my network is is larger than ever before because of people like like uh, like like Wayne and Milt, and because of organizations like this one. Well, Sam, that's a, that's a wonderful story, and I really appreciate your frankness in terms of the fact that initially um, BDPA was undervalued uh, as a resource, and over time that you saw the value. Um, now, you were, you were in corporate um, as a McDonald's executive, and would you just take a few moments to share with us how your experience as a McDonald's executive influenced the leadership that you have within the company that you now own? 
Well, uh, McDonald's was a wonderful company to work uh, for. Um, I led operations and technology for 14,000 locations, and that had its challenges, um, uh, but it provided a, a, a lot of learning experiences that definitely helped me as an entrepreneur. Uh, first, and probably most important, is uh, i got to tell people you got to network effectively. Uh, you know, when I first started as an entrepreneur, uh, I found it easy to meet people uh, because it, as an executive, I talked to 2,500 small business owners, and, um, and, and I met a lot of people in the corporation, but it was because of my role uh, that, that I had to meet people in the corporation. So it wasn't a problem meeting people. The problem on my part was after I met that person, I couldn't remember all the detail about the person to develop a fruitful relationship, like Bill mentioned earlier in the program. Um, I tell you, just making sure that you have an effective network in which you're remembering that relationship and understanding who that person is and serving those people, I, I tell you, that, that's very effective. The next thing that I take from corporate America is immediately following up. You know, keeping track of people and promises is very important. And when I, when I managed a large organization, I had a lot of phone calls that came in from all over the world. And what made me successful was that I, was, I followed up immediately. So it's the same with being an entrepreneur. Uh, making sure that you follow up with clients and potential clients will be key to growing that business. And the last thing is staying organized. Uh, I remember becoming an entrepreneur early on, and one of my clients called me thanking me for a wonderful service. This is after I had been in business for a while. I had no idea who this person was. <laughs> I didn't know who she was. I didn't, I didn't remember her because after a while you, you, you have so many different clients. And so I fumbled through the conversation, and I'm and after a while, it, wasn't, it was very apparent that I didn't remember who that person was. And so that was the catalyst of, of what we do today. We provide uh, that, that way to help people remember their relationships. Very interesting way to show the value and the driver for the services that you now provide. Um, tell, walk us through the naming of your company, because now that I hear those three points, I'm wondering if there's a connection to the name of your organization. Well, Honor Services Office is is uh, is the platform that we will be discussing, but the word honor. Um, means well. First off, I have to tell everybody that I'm a very prayerful person, and it's God uh, that has brought me this far, and it's one of the reasons why I'm in business to help people uh, move their careers along and grow their businesses. So we want to be honorable in what we do, and we want to make sure that we provide great service, and we provide that office that is uh, that virtual office, that suite of applications that can provide uh, the service to you. So that's where we came up with our name, and our platform helps people um, uh, with everything that they need for their business. 
hopefully that answers that question. Oh, oh, it does. Oh, oh, it does. So, in in your in the services that you're offering, how what do your clients say to you is most valuable about what you do for them? Thank you so much for that question. Um, I, I have to tell you that we are a technology we are a technology company first and foremost, but we are also a company that um, that is personable. And so people usually just uh, purchase a um, a technology platform uh, to use, and and then uh, they they move on to something else when something else shinier comes along. Um, but uh, but when you per when you purchase our service, you actually get us as people. Uh, so first and foremost, you get that service that we where we can talk to individuals uh, from our experiences. Uh, when I add up all the experience for all the people that work at our company, we have hundreds of years uh, of of service um, from all the individuals uh, who work and. I personally have worked in many different industries. Um, as a consultant, I worked um, for um, Big Six Consulting, and I flew all over the nation, uh, working at um, in insurance, working in quick service restaurants, and working in uh, manufacturing um, and electric. And so, I've had the the I was very very blessed with being able to talk to many different. Uh, Industry, so we brought that experience uh, to our platform. We also brought the technology uh, that we've had from many different companies, especially 14,000 location uh, management. Uh, we we made sure that we provided a payment card industry compliant software uh, that uh, would help people um, immediately be secure with their payments. Um, we. We also looked at, um, um, at how small businesses work. So small businesses really need to, to focus on growth and keeping track of their clients and potential clients. That's very that's paramount. So we built a very unique contact management tool that not only keeps track of potential clients but enables client management. So a good contact management system and a client management system is what we uh, provide. And the last thing that uh, I want to talk about is, well, not last thing, but the next thing I want to talk about is, is invoicing and easy bookkeeping. We wanted to make sure that we provided uh, an easy way for people to sell practically anything that they, that they provide, whether it's a service or a product, and that they can uh, provide either a subscription-type billing where they can just set it and forget it, or that they can provide uh, something that they can get a payment immediately online with uh, payment card industry compliant uh, rules. And so uh, we provided that. And the last thing is we provide email marketing. Our tool enables people to send beautiful emails and, and so that they can track who opened their email and see how successful their campaign is. Well, very, very comprehensive. Um, do you have a case study? What you what you shared with us 
are the services and the features that are available? Do you have a case study that you could share um, from one of your clients, from, from a small business that, you know, before they met you, they were doing X. As a result of working with you and using your services, they're now doing Y. Yes, we do. Actually, we have one on our website, um, and, uh, and people can go to honorservicesoffice.com and take, uh, take a look at that. Uh, but uh, I do remember uh, uh, several people, as a matter of fact, I talked to a lot of people just last week. I was at the National Resume Writers Association meeting in Denver and, um, and talked to several people who just felt that they were not organized. Um, and so when I told them about, about our product, uh, they just felt so relieved that they, they could actually keep track of, of everything. Uh, the first thing that they told me was, I keep track of, of all my clients in email. That's, a, that's absolutely impossible to do. Uh, you can't keep track of any of your clients through email because you'll lose the email uh, you get a whole bunch of other emails that don't have anything related to the business, and so that was very, very hard for them to do. So they understand now to leverage a database uh, for for their for their business is, is very, very paramount. Uh, the next thing that they told me was uh, it was hard to keep track of who paid when, and that and I know that sounds very strange um, in terms of who actually paid, uh, but the system that we that we uh, built provides the capability for people to uh, to um, uh, get an overdue notice when when uh, when one of their invoices has not been paid, so they can go ahead and do the follow up. So that has helped a number of individuals keep them keep their business flowing and make sure the cash flow is going there in a the positive direction. Uh, I know that. I'm giving different pieces, parts to uh, to the case study there. Um, uh, also, when I started talking to people about email marketing, they didn't like to do that, and so we talked about having effective email marketing, and that was uh, that's one of the workshops that we provide is making sure that uh, you don't just send out an email blast, but you also make sure that you have a great relationship with the groups uh, that you mentioned, and. Um, and I believe that both of, of the guests that have been on the show have mentioned that relationships is very, very important uh, to any business person. And so um, we wanted to make sure that, that we have a platform in which you can keep track of what that relationship is. And that is very key uh, to any business. And so it's not only about the software that we provide, but it's also just teaching people how to, to really grow that relationship and how to foster um, a relationship that, that moves people to uh, leverage their services. Does that help? Did I explain that? That, that, that does help. And, and again, when I think back to what you shared earlier, um, you know, your organization is designed to help people grow their businesses. And so you have you know, you bring the service, you bring the experience, you bring the technology um, so that they can, in fact, you know, do avoid some of the challenges of not being organized and focus on really being responsive um, to their own clients. 
And I, I really hear an educational um, aspect to what you're doing because as you share with people how you can help them, you're, you also provide um, ways for them to learn how to, one, get exposed to it, but to uh, actually use it. So that's really very, very powerful. Um, it, it also sounds like you have a unique advantage of when you mentioned that in your uh, one of your roles at McDonald's, you know, you're responsible for 14,000 locations. Um, you know, certainly you have experience. You know what it's like to need to track a lot of um, people and places. So it, it's wonderful to hear from you about your organization. Now, technology continues to change. So one of the questions that I had for you is, um, given that you have this full-service platform uh, and people behind it who really care, what do you see as important technology trends for small businesses in 2015? So in 2015, I would say that more and more companies will be moving their processes, their business processes to the cloud. And um, I, I'm going to tell you that I, I know that um, for the past few years, social media was the big thing, and so people had to get a social media presence. I'm going to say now you, the next step will be uh, do you have a cloud platform uh, in which you're going to do your business processes. It's different to have a website where people can go to the website and see some information. It's different to go to a social media site where they're doing the same thing. They're going to a location and getting some information. It's real different when you go to a platform where they can actually interact with you and your business processes in the cloud itself. So this way, uh, small businesses are not only um, able to service people that are local, but they are actually able to ser service people nationally and globally. And so uh, this actually helps individuals meet people from around the world. And, um, and so I would say that the trend would be that you're going to be seeing more and more people move their platform to a cloud platform. Let me just say this for one second. Um, when we did, when we helped people uh, with resume writing, for instance, this person never would have understood that they would have gotten resumes from around the world when they started their business. Okay, so that that is really why, again, if a business or as a business is focused on growth and wants to keep track of their clients, they really need management tools such as contact management, client management, invoicing, booking, email management, all of these tools so that they can responsive to their clients and, as you mentioned earlier, build on those relationships. So Honor Services Office gives people and businesses the opportunity 
um, to be in business not only locally or regionally, but also nationally and and potentially internationally if they choose. That is correct. Stan, one of the things as I was preparing for this interview that I read about you is that through technology and personalized business development training, your company is working to help other small businesses get to the next level and to grow their jobs. And I I just wonder as we wrap up this interview and you've shared a lot of good information, what's a final thought that you have for the listeners as they think about whether they're an entrepreneur or not, um, as they think about um, technology and the services that you provide? Well, one final thought I would have uh, for entrepreneurs and for those who are not is to have a mindset of investing in yourself or investing into your business. If you're going to stay in corporate, I would say you have to really invest in yourself, invest in in your clothes, invest in your appearance, invest in in, uh, growth uh, and training. Um, And if you're an entrepreneur, invest in your business. Uh, Stop looking for the free route and really seek uh, the services and seek uh, opportunities to um, really, really grow your business. Look for the marketing person. Look for that accountant. Look for uh, services that can really help you grow your business so you can do the portion of your business that you do very well. And most of all, keep the service um, in, in, in front of you. Make sure that service is very, very important. Serve like a servant. Serve like a servant. And that, that, that would be key to anything you do. Stan, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking time from your schedule to share your ideas, your philosophy, um, your attitude of serve like a servant. Um, that That's extremely powerful. And um, I really wish you continued success in your business look forward to having you on our show in the future um, uh, to provide us with some updates and some additional case studies. So thank you again for being part of our show this evening. Fran, thank you so much, and thank you, audience, for listening. Thank you. So BDPA iRadio show listeners, we're going to wrap up our show for Tuesday, September 23rd. Our guest this evening, our first guest, was Bill Houston, co-founder of My Crown Rocks. Our second guest was Teresa Williams, vice president of BDPA South Region. And our final guest was Stan Washington, president of Honor Services Office. I'm Fran McNeil. Our producer to this evening was Everaldo Gallimore. And I encourage you to join us every second and fourth Tuesday of the month at www.blogtalkradio.com slash BDPA. Have a great evening, and we look forward to you participating with us in October.
BDPA iRadio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPA iRadio show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil, sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, and the Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Produced by Everaldo Gallimore. Technical advice by John Melanson. BDPA iRadio broadcasts the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Join us on blogtalkradio.com backslash BDPA.